Once upon a time when we were coloured, we probably wouldn't even have really bothered about this Stormzy versus Wiley, Wiley versus Stormzy, ting and ting and ting. Is it real beef or one of them veganuari alternatives? Because I really don't get it. Why would men and men want to start it? It's pure arms house that set it and no good can come from it. Sure, it's entertaining because insults can be very revealing. And like the man said, entertainment is a form of enjoyment. No bother fighting out a dance, dance. We comfy enjoy yourself while the music is playing. And me Idrin skanking, me sistrin dancing. If me see a man a dance with me woman, me not go get jealous, me not go get no fast. So keep on skanking while the prophecy's fulfilling because most of us come from the same poverty where it don't make no sense arguing about the value of property. We just need to do our thing and do it properly and big up one another respectfully. That's why I had to ask myself if it was a joke thing because all now heavy is the head that wears the crown king and all now Stormzy who currently carries the swing has been big enough his elder Wiley whom he used to listen when he was just a youth back in the borough of Croydon. I thought it was all love between them, so when I saw the clap back on the social medium, I was like, rah, this must be some kind of joint promotion. Wiley must have a new album, and he wants to remind everybody that he is the original Don. But then words were said that went straight to Stormzy's heavy head, and he fired back like he thought Wiley was dead, because dinosaurs don't roam the earth no more, and before you know it, everybody was talking about it. Because you can't take back them chat. No, sir, you can't call a man a pagan and not expect for him to come out with all lyrical guns blazing. You have to live by it or die by it or else laugh by it or cry by it. You can't take back them chat. If it was strictly business, I get it because the answer back, musical clash, is as old as the hills. Remember when Roxanne Chante dissed UTFO? Why'd you have to make a record about me? The R-O-X-A-N-N-E. Before that, there was Iroy, who took it straight to Prince Jasmo's head, and most famously Beanie Man and Bounty Killer. One couldn't have gotten so big without dissing the other. To help us understand the history of the musical clash, I turned to the president, Kennedy Mensah, the musical publisher, on holiday, it turns out, in Ghana. Oh no, there definitely clashes. Yeah. It yeah. definitely clashes. Um, however, with, with, with what's happening at the moment, I'm not even sure we can really call this a clash. But we, we, historically, what would happen is sometimes it would be a case of I make a record, you make an answer, I get off offended that you've answered my, my record, and then I do a, another version of, of your recording. So the, the very first clash was actually between a, a producer and artist or an artist producer and artist. So it was Prince Buster and Derek Morgan. That one was because, because uh, there was a problem between Derek Morgan and Prince Buster because Buster was originally a producer for Derek Morgan and Derek Morgan left and went to um, Leslie Kong. So Prince Buster felt aggrieved and started to throw words as we would say in, in reggae parlance. He started to throw words after Derek Morgan and then Derek Morgan answered and they went, there was a back and forth. Did you remember what the song was, oh, I, the, the back and forth songs were? You, any titles there? Okay, so, so Prince Buster's was um, Blackhead Chinese Man 
and um, <laughs> Derek Morgan. That's harsh. Yeah, so, yeah, it was. <laughs> it, it was. Um, Derek Morgan's original, uh, what was the original answer again? I'm not sure if the original answer was, I am the toughest. I think it is, you know, because he said, you said it, I am a black egg, Chinese, something, something, something. But, but when I was working for you, you never paid me. That was his, um, that was his counter. But even, Ooh. yes, but as, as actual DJs or latter day MCs or rappers, the, the first would have been Iroy and Prince Jasbo, which is more akin to what we're seeing now. <clears throat> Excuse me. What we're seeing now with the, with the, um, the, the grime stroke UK rap artists, whereby Iroy was the elder statesman and Jasbo was the, the young upstart. Now, that one started... Wasn't that the because... other way around? Wasn't it Jasbo that was the elder statesman and Iroy was the young upstart? I thought it was the other way around. Definitely not. Okay, so Jasbo so was... The... Ah, I'd, you see, I'd, a lot is lost in confusion. How did that beef start, though? Because I get the feeling that it might have started as some kind of personal gripe but then it was exploited by the producers was it prince tony that was producing iroy at the time no it was bunny lee ah bunny lee okay so yes how did it so, start and how did it manifest itself so the way that that one started was jasbo was like a from what i understand jasbo was like a, a a youngster coming up and they used to laugh at him because they said that he was unattractive. Okay, let me say how they said it. Them same ugly. <laughs> ugly. That's, that's with an H, yeah, you know. Just but ugly. Ugly. Yeah, like. <laughs> but he, he was never. No, now, he, was, now, he was never no, as now ugly. You're going too far with it. Yeah. No, he was never as ugly <laughs> as King Stitt, who was the ugly one. <laughs> Actually, as you say that, incidentally, the conversation we're having. Uh, the, the person who became known as the most warsome, the, 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 the biggest or worst clasher, depending on how you're looking at it, would be Ninja Man. And when he came into the business, he actually was called Ugly Man. But there was somebody else called Ugly Man. So he, used to, he, so he changed his name to Double Ugly. And then when he started with the clashing thing, he changed his name to Ninja Man. Okay, but so, you're, you're, you're jumping too far ahead. You're jumping too far ahead. Slow down, yes, slow down. And also, let's face it, if you call yourself the ugly one, it takes the sting out of it. It's <laughs> when somebody else calls you the ugly one that a beef starts. So like, let's get back to Prince Jasbo and Iroy then. Iroy was seen as, well, arguably... Um, you know, he had to tip his hat to you, Roy, who was there before him. But Iroy was seen mm -hmm. as something of a musical poet. Certainly, Linton Quasi Johnson describes him as that. So how did he get himself involved? If he was the veteran, why get involved mm -hmm. with some young upstart who ain't troubling him? So there's a song called Cranky Bine that, was, that became a hit for, for Jasbo. And in that song... Um, cranky Bine, Jasbo is, is, is denigrating the black woman. And Iroy took great umbrage with this. 
And he said, how dare you call my black woman a Lego beast? And then he, so he, oh, what was his one again? I can't remember. Um, it was a welding, what, was, what the young girl want. Welding. No, no, no. It that wasn't was, that one. That's just straight. No, that was a straight song. Okay. Because that was a big hit for him when <laughs> I was a youth. You know, that was a big hit for him back in what? The mid to late 70s? Massive hit. No, um, so he, so I write answers, um, cranky bind says, how, how can you call my, my, my woman, them a, a cranky bind and then Jasbo counters. And then you got the whole, um, girl boy, I write a girl boy. And then, um, I write counters and then it, it, it spread to it, probably even an album's worth of, of counters between the two. But it starts off with, with Jasbo's recording and Iroy countering. And of course, so, the, the audience like loved I'm, this, didn't they? The, the record-buying public oh yeah. loved this. So both of the artists were making money on dissing each other, yeah? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And for the most part, most of the recordings, after the, the, the beef, as it were, started, would have been produced by the same producer. Huh. As in Bunny Lee. Okay, well, both both of the records, both of the artists' discs, he was making the most money then. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's, so, why, that's as, why they as, call as him the, the striker. <laughs> no, that was a football thing. Okay. okay. That was a football okay. thing. They used to also call him the, the hit maker from Jamaica. Of course. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. So... Bunny Lee making the most money, Iroy and Prince Jasbo dissing one another. Uh, what I remember most, I don't remember any of uh, Jasbo's disses of Iroy, but I remember Iroy going straight to Prince Jasbo's head, as it were. And of mm -hmm. course, if you're the public, you're following this spat between the two artists and buying mm -hmm. or vying with one side or the other or buying both sides. Yep. But you do yep. want a conclusion. The public does want a winner at the end of mm -hmm. going sort of twelve rounds in in a boxing yep. ring. You you want a winner at the end of it, and that was, I suppose, Jasbo's downfall, wasn't it? Um, to be honest with you, I, I, I'm not 100 percent sure because what happened with with Jasbo after that is Jasbo became a producer, and he was actually producing his own hits. Mm. And so he, he actually amassed a, a great catalogue, whereas Iroy stayed as just an artist. So I guess in the short run, Iroy won. Historically, Iroy won. Lyrically, Jasbo was not the equal to Iroy. So lyrically, he won. But as a career, and probably in the, in the money-making stakes, I think Jasbo won, because Jasbo... No. Jasbo was producing everybody, basically. That That's really illuminating. That explains why Iroy died in poverty in some real difficult circumstances. The last time I saw Iroy, this was at Dennis Bovell's Studio 80, which was on the south side of, of um, Southwark Bridge in London, just on the south side of the River mm -hmm. Thames. And I remember Iroy going in there and he basically voiced the whole the general album in one one a couple of hours you know one take a time and kept mm -hmm. dropping it and then 
it, you could tell that he needed that album to work because he kept calling his girlfriend back in Jamaica and said, honey, listen to this, yeah. And he was really excited about <laughs> it because it was the album, last album that he did for Virgin Records, actually. And you could hear that they'd, okay. they'd probably given him an ultimatum saying, look, this album better lick, otherwise we're going to drop you. So he was really excited about it. And in fact, they released the album and the dub version as as well. And um, like I say, at the end of the day, he died in abject circumstances. And you don't think about mm. that when you talk about the sort of beefs that these artists had. Okay, that was the mm. Iroy Prince Jasbo clash. After that, mm. I can't remember many clashes, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I do remember when these clashes were taken up by the hip hop community when rap started out in the late 70s so this would have been late 70s early 80s when um, mm -hmm. the one that i remember first and foremost was roxanne chante when uh wow the, yeah you see that's <laughs> going back but well that was a clash wasn't it and it was some kind of a clash because you had utfo uh this boy mm -hmm. group if you like doing a song called roxanne mm -hmm. roxanne and then this sort of 15 year old yep. girl comes out of the Bronx or wherever she came out of saying, why'd you have to make a record about me? The R-O-X-A-N-N-E. Why'd you have to make yep. a record about me? And that was suddenly a clash again, wasn't it? Well, I think initially that was a clash, but it just became a saga because with, with, with that um, situation, Roxanne counters um, UTFO. But then everybody counters Roxanne. So Roxanne became a, a, a clashing machine. So she were, so with the, with, with, with the, the that, again, that particular saga, I remember when I said, okay, enough is enough. When we had Roxanne's postman <laughs> countering these tracks, because it was, it was Rox, Roxanne's father, it was, <laughs> Roxanne, I'm surprised Roxanne's dog didn't make a tune for, for, for that saga. <laughs> it went so far. But yeah, down to I'm Roxanne's postman. How could you make a record about Roxanne? In reggae, our saga of, of, of that magnitude was a, a track called What the Hell? What the Hell the Police Can Do by Echo Minor. Yes, yes, yes. And, You're getting there, are you? That spawned, yeah, that spawned Babylon Boops. Ooh. By loving there. Yeah. Now Babylon Boops, the rhythm, spawned another um, hit called the Panani rhythm. Now that is one of the most versioned rhythms of of all time, especially of the of the eighties coming up. And even when you're having um, a, a live set, like say a, a Sumfest or or a Sting or maybe even Rebel Salute, if an artist comes up on stage and it's an impromptu performance, that's normally their rhythm of choice. But that started from, again, another saga like this. But those I would class as, as sagas and not, not um, protract, project, protracted clashes because the, the two principles, the two principal parties did not continue. So you can't really call that an extended clash. So if we're talking about a, a clash between two protagonists coming down the line in, in dancehall, we're talking Ninja Man and almost everybody, but the famous one was Ninja Man and Shabba Ranks. Yes, well, it's not... Then you'd have... Um, 
That was yeah, famous. On. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That was famous. I think that has been surpassed by another clash that we'll come on to later on. Uh, but tell me, first of all, let, let's let's go with that Ninja Man and Shab. Well, Ninja and everybody else, first of all. Ninja, <laughs> Ninja realised very early on, did he not, that if you take on another artist, the artist is going to answer back. Certainly in Jamaica, they're going to answer back at some point. Mm. And that answer mm. back is going to give you more publicity because now you're not only known on your records, you're known on the other person's record who couldn't resist name checking you, even if it was in a disrespectful way. Because if people didn't know who you were then, they'll soon find out mm. if they follow the other artists. So it, w was that just a commercial position for him to go and uh, clash with everybody? Was he the original entrepreneur in that respect? In a, in a short answer, no. Because actually with Ninja Man, Ninja, Man's, Ninja Man is the exception that proves the rule. Because Ninja Man's popularity was not from recording. I remember doing an interview a few years ago with um, a gentleman called Rodney P. And he was talking about who his influences were. Rodney from, P of the London the, Posse. Rodney, Rodney P of the London Posse. All oh, yes. right, you're talking, about, talking real, about his um, real, real reggae MC now. You're going back to our roots, UK-wise and otherwise. There you go. So he was talking about artists who inspired him. And he, his, one of his favourites was Ninja Man. And I made the point that one problem with, with Ninja Man was that his recordings never matched his stage presence. And Rodney P's assertion was that Ninja Man's stage presence was so big that it just couldn't fit in three and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, there would be a case where there's an artist on stage, yeah? The artist is tearing up the place. Whoever you are, you're ripping up the place so bad you've got the crowd eating out the palm of your hand. All you have to say is boo, and everybody's going to jump for you. Ninja Man will appear on the corner of the stage and outshine you with, with the forwards that you're getting. Ninja Man's getting a bigger forward. <laughs> he hasn't opened his mouth yet. He hasn't taken a microphone yet. All he's done is appeared on the stage. With that, in that already... garb, though, look what he's dressed in. He didn't just appear on the stage. He's upstaging you by wearing, okay, what he's okay, wearing. Okay, okay, okay. Wearing some kind of Chinaman okay. thing. There you go. So there you go. His, his uniform... His presence, all he has to do, this is even before he's picked up the mic and gone, hold on. <laughs> From he said that now, it's all over. <laughs> the presence alone. But you can't, you can't encapsulate that on a recording. So, so Ninja Man's um, classic ethic was all about live. So that's why he became the, the Sting Don. He was the man. He was the man. In more recent times, uh, a gentleman who, who took over the mantle for a brief minute was is a, a gentleman called Kiprich. Yeah, yeah. Now he he would have been the man who who could have taken that mantle because he's a he's a great recording artist as well as a, a live MC and nobody had had him as a as a clash artist, but he was he was he was murdering all comers. But Ninja Man, who's the, who's known as the, the Clash Man. As a recording artist, nah. There's a, there were a couple of, of, of recordings that made it um, from, from those clashes, 
like when he was talking about um, reggae sun splash, reggae sun splash, and how he buried Shabba at the reggae sun splash. Now, with, with the clash between him and Shabba, what you have to understand is this. Ninja Man was like the, the, the ghetto champion. He's the people's champion. His thing is on, on, on the live stage. Shabba's, um, Shabba's career is, is, is best expressed on the, re- on the record, in the studio. Mm. So as a recording artist, there's no comparison. Shabba was massive. Shabba was loose. Shabba was international. If you, if you spoke dancehall, you were talking Shabba. He was almost as synonymous with dancehall at, at his peak as Bob Marley is with reggae. It's a dis- and that's it's not a- even an exaggeration. Yeah, no, yeah, I get the. Trust me, I know, because I lined up outside. I can't remember what that club used to be called uh, just by oh, the, um, the, the bow oh, about the road. Yeah. The flyover, <laughs> man. I was uh, waiting till about five in the morning for him to come on. And you remember the bouncers in those days, they didn't business. So they used to, they used to suddenly rush through the audience to push half of us out <laughs> the other side so that they could let an, in another 500 people and make more money. Anyway, that's another story. But, Arguably, then, you're saying that these were two different disciplines. On the one hand, you got Ninja Man doing the labrish, which for which he was the champion mm-hmm. on stage. Mm-hmm. And that is a mm-hmm. different discipline from doing the MCing on record. And we know mm-hmm. that from the sound system. Otherwise, sound mm-hmm. system MCs would be the dons when mm-hmm. it came to vinyl, whereas what they do... Exactly. Is the, exactly. The old school... Um, MCing is what they do, which is coming to the dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's looking really hot inside in the dance, coming out of the dance, coming out of the dance. Whereas the man mm-hmm. on the record's got to have a little bit of a different personality and the lyrics too, mm-hmm. and, and the voice as well to suit vinyl. It's a different That's kind right. of discipline. So when when Ninja Man is clashing with Shabba, it would seem as if yeah. if he's doing it live on stage, he has the advantage. Mm-hmm. Did that ever transform to the record clash, the kind that we've been talking about, like with Prince Jasbo and Iroy, or did both parties stay away from that kind of, um, you know, th- th- that plastic challenge? Yeah, they they, they both did. Shabba most definitely didn't pick up the mantle, and Ninja Ninja moved on to to the youngsters. So. In, 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 in what I'm saying now, I would say that at, at the time, I thought it was a mismatch because Shabba was a much bigger artist. But in hindsight, I realized it was a mismatch because Ninja Man is a clash artist. Shabba was never a clash artist. Yeah. Was never a, a clash MC. And arguably Ninja is the person behind what is now known as the sound clash. Is he, is he the original kind of instigator of what has become a, a, a discipline in its own right? No, he would be what's become the, the MC clash, but the sound clash definitely predates Ninja. Ah, I get that goes you. all the way back to, but, but, that goes all the way back to um, Duke Creed and Cox and Dodd as an actual sound system, of which also predates any artists. Mm. Of course, I I do get that. The moment you clarify that, of course. So, but within 
a sound clash or within a sound system, an MC clash. That's really the, mm-hmm. the, the you know, what uh, Ninja developed then. How did the yes. record buying public or, or not even the record buying public, the uh, music loving public that followed mm-hmm. reggae, how, how did they disseminate what was a short lived but nevertheless uh, tangible clash between Ninja on the one side and Shabaranks? Well, what it would, what that did with, with those two is that it it divided opinion as to uh, which which camp you were in. If you were a, a, a beanie man, sorry, now I've gone forward again, haven't I? If you were a, a ninja fan or a Shabba fan, so Shabba was more the girls' DJ, mm-hmm. and Ninja was for the man them. Mm-hmm. I get you. Okay, but now- again, as I'm. As I'm saying, it never, it never really transferred to to the studio, so it, 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 it's kind of a, a different scenario. But it's funny that when you move forwards, I mean, you you hinted at where we're going to go very shortly, Beanie Man and Bounty Killer. When you move forward to there again, Beanie Man was the girl's name Sugar, mm-hmm. <laughs> self-acclaimed, mm-hmm. and Bounty, well, you know, mm-hmm. you've got to be a man there. We'll come back to that in a moment. In between this... Mm-hmm. Uh, MC Clash took to the hip-hop world in quite a volatile way, most prominently uh, Tupac and Biggie. How do you you place that clash, essentially, where they're dissing each other for whether or not they had sex with each other's partners or whatever it Mm -hmm, might have mm -hmm. been, or whether who shot who, mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. Mostly coming from Tupac, mm-hmm. is to be said. But you know, I, I have, yep. um, you know, l- 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 let's not go to down the violence route so much. But that mm-hmm. was the, you know, Clash stopped being fun and just stopped being about, fun. yeah, yeah, it stopped being about, you know, um, y- y- you know, the way that we used to joke when we used to ditch, ditch, mm-hmm. ditch, what do they call it in America? They call it, you know, when they say your mama this, your mama Oh, that. the nines. Yeah, the nines. It, it was more like that before, mm-hmm. but then it got kind of a, a bit serious here where you didn't know whether these guys were really going to shoot each mm-hmm. other or not. Was that a clash, a musical clash in the real sense or was that something else? That was quite personal. And it, not only was it personal, but by that time, hip hop was now was now a, a big earner. And so, so the the next class that that you were you've alluded to would be Beanie and and Bounty, Beanie Man, Bounty Killer. Now they learned a lot from what had happened with um, with Biggie and Two and Tupac, and even even more so was. Um, the next big clash, which would have been, which would be Mavado and Vibes Cartel. Again, we learned a lot from those previous clashes. So I remember interviewing Beanie one time and asking him about the clash with Bounty Killer. And he said, no, man, I'm not clash with Amanda again. And I'm like, why at that time? And he's saying, because he found out that Bounty Killer want him dead, real dead. And he's like, no, it's our music we are make. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's our music we are make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at that time, at that time, he'd stop clashing. 
But Beanie Man is 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 in, musically in in that is someone that we would call. Oh, can I say this on the recorded? He was a bit of a genial. So what he would do is is like he would he would like be poking the bear, poking the bear, poking the bear with his little snide comments, and then Bounty Killer being the bear would roar back, and then that would reignite the feud. And then you turn around and say, you see, Bounty Killer's always fighting with Beanie, but Beanie's the one who's the instigator. Yeah, but well, he would do it cleverly and slightly. I remember there was this uh, amazing uh, radio program that brought the two of them together when they were at the height of their clashing. This would have been well in the late nineties or something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, it was mm-hmm. the settlement of all argument. I tell you, it was one of the funniest mm-hmm. recordings I ever ever had i've lost part of it now but i've got like the first out we went on for hours and taking phone calls from the public and everything but it was only mm-hmm. then that you started seeing the kind of slide slide snide little things that beanie used to come out with because you know mm-hmm. the, the dj saying why can't you two come together now the whole public want to mm-hmm. see you come together and stop clashing and then bounty suddenly mm-hmm. said well, I am first call me homosexual. And I'm like, like, I'm like, what? Did he call? No. And he said, yeah, I am first call me. And he said, yeah, yeah, he said, yeah, yeah. Beanie was like, what? what? When did I do that? And he said, so when you say me, me bounty killer is coming like a cowboy riding a horse <laughs> from the east or from the west, riding <laughs> from the west on an arse. No, but is but, that is but that H-O, say, is that? <laughs> H-O-R-S-E horse, or is it A-R-S-C? <laughs> and then Beanie was saying, but where's Jamaica, man? We ripe on us. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that was so funny. I was so, I was rolling around. I was rolling around. So you were about to say, I cut you. No, I was actually going to make the 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 the, the distinction between the the H and the A. <laughs> However, that clash that clash also went very personal <laughs> because he, after all was said and done, Bounty Killer had a girlfriend called Michelle Downer, otherwise known as the Angel, and they broke up. And then a year or two later. How do we know that it was Bounty that she was um, Bounty Killer's ex-girlfriend? Is because Beanie Man starts going out with the Angel. She's a very pretty young lady, and um, um, I hasten to add, she's also one of our clients. <laughs> so I can't say anything bad about my client. Of course not. However, course not. yeah. However, the uh, Angel and Beanie Man now started a relationship to the point where they actually got married. And then the two of them started to make records about bounty, about one man, mega, one man. So that reignited the, the beef again. But as we're speaking today, I don't know that they're the best of friends, but the last um, Sunfest, they had a, a, what was billed as a friendly clash live on stage where one would be, would be spitting the lyrics of the of the clash against the other, so Beanie Man would 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 um, deliver his lyrics, and Bounty would deliver the counter, and then Beanie would, and it was it was great. It was one of the show stopping moments of the of the concert. So in in a happily ever after type of way, that's how the clash should go. It goes from record to personal to record back to stage, 
and and you can lo- laugh and joke with each other. Then nobody gets hurt. Yeah. So the, the the next big feud. Sorry, go on. You were gonna say. No, I was gonna say. Isn't that the secret of uh, a, a successful clash that you can laugh and joke with each other? More importantly, the public have to be able to laugh and enjoy it because once it gets mm-hmm. serious, it's kind of like. First of all, it's mm-hmm. not business. It's not business because we're mm-hmm. you're in the entertainment business. You know, you're not entertaining no more. Exactly. That's that's a, a thing that um, what I'm finding with the new sound clashes, the actual sound systems or selectors rather. I can't really call them sound clashes because you have one man with a dub box or woman with a dub box, and they call themselves a sound system. There's no, there's no speaker boxes anywhere. There's no amplifier. Everybody just comes in, walks in with their, with their laptop and plugs it into whatever's there. Whereas before, I'm, I'm, I'm digressing slightly, but before half of the clash was about the talent that you could bring as in the MC talent and or the, the quality of the sound that you were delivering and how you entertained the crowd. The winner was the one who was the most entertaining. Yeah, and of late, the winner was also the one who had the best sound, which is why the Japanese Mighty Crowns kept winning, because they had money behind their equipment. No, they, they don't even walk with equipment either. With, with, with Mighty Crown, it's the depth of their dub box and the depth of their pockets. So they are able to, to buy a counteraction of a counteraction. And also, it has to be said that the MC is extremely entertaining. He is funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is very funny. And counteraction is really the, the, the name of the game. This is what we're talking about. You know, you can call it clash, MC yeah. clash, clap back or whatever you want, but it's counteraction, isn't it? That's what it's about. Okay. That's right. And bringing it round to a full circle now. I know it's not the same, but what's happening on social media between Wiley and Stormzy? I don't even get it, to be honest. But Mm -hmm. I wonder whether we are looking at social media as the new counteraction between artists. You know, it'll go on to vinyl Mm -hmm. as well, maybe, or vinyl, I'm saying. It'll go on to record, record, I'm (laughs) saying. It'll go on to digital download (laughs) as well. Of course I'm old school. What do you expect me to be? A youngster in a nappy? Give me a break. You're supposed to be young like me, youngster. Yeah, 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 whatever. You're the one who took us right back to Prince Jasbo. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Or or even before that. Uh, Anyway, but do you know, I wonder whether social media, this clash on social media we can mm. link it to the history of counteractions you know where wiley um wants to make a name for himself or keep the name that he had made for himself to bring it back and uh, mm-hmm. and you know even stormzy even though mm-hmm. once upon a time wiley would have been the person he listened to is now thinking, rah, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't let you just carry on calling me a pagan. I've got to come mm-hmm. back on it now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and one that's... Recently... Because it, it is, there is still a lot of humour in it, particularly, you know, when you start mm-hmm. bringing in dinosaurs and all this kind of business. Everybody's laughing and enjoying it. But is it is it the same? Mm-hmm. Can we link it to Prince Jasbo and Iroy feuds going back that far or otherwise? Is, is there an umbilically linked historic, link historically right till today? 
Um, I think yes and no. Yes and no. Yes, because a point that you made um, just now was the fact that Stormzy would have been listening to, to Wiley because a recent recording that, that Stormzy had was, um, was called Wiley Flow. In that he says, if you, if something along the lines of, if you, if you diss me, I'm going to hit them with a Wiley flow. And then he starts um, emceeing in a Wiley flow. So that is a, a definite hats off moment to Wiley. So is it, does it go back to, to, to the, the clashes in a dance hall? Yes ish. Because Ninja Man would say to you that um, what he did to stay relevant was, he would be quiet for the whole year. And the biggest clash of the, of the year would be at the Sting concert. Now, the Sting concert would happen on Boxing Day every year. And that's where, that was where you had the second of our argument. So the two biggest artists of the year who had a beef would settle it live on stage at Sting. So come about September, October, Ninja Man would say, oh, so this year with Mad Cabra, him had a thingy. So he would go on stage and every stage show he goes to, he would start showing words after Mad Cabra. And if it's Merciless, he's like, oh, Merciless is the name now. Then he will start going after Merciless. So it's a similar thing that Wiley's doing in that he's popping shots. And he's like, oh, Ed Sheeran is the big guy. Okay. Ed Sheeran, me and you had some relationship. I wasn't too happy. Starts um, beefing with Ed Sheeran. Then, because of his beef with Ed Sheeran, it spills onto Storms because Storms has done a collaboration with, with Ed Sheeran, which, um, well, you know, the actual recording, a lot of people are like, yo, uh, Storms, I, I don't know about that one, brother. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> I digress. But, the extension of the of the beef with Ed Sheeran now rubs onto rubs off onto Stormzy, so it's part of the same trajectory. So you can kind of call it a a, a throwback to that to that dancehall um, to that dancehall tradition, because that we've seen it before, but we've also seen it go out of hand. So I'm hoping that this doesn't go out of hand. And when it goes out of hand, it's not even necessarily the artists involved in which it goes out of hand with. It's the, it's the followers, it's the fans, it's the, the kids who are trying to make a name for themselves. So I'm hoping that either this gets settled in the studio, live on stage, or maybe even just quickly on Twitter where it started.